Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the TPL Show. Uh, we're going to kick off a two-part episode talking about evenness. Why are we going to talk about evenness? Well, we're definitely in a time where we are ex- experiencing unprecedented levels of disruption to supply chains across all industries and geographies. So in the first episode, we're going to talk about how to establish evenness in stable times. And then in part two, we'll talk about doing the same thing in unstable times. Hmm. Sound good? Yeah. I'm Luke. I'm Dave. And this is the TPL Show. Welcome to the TPL Show, a podcast dedicated to the study and discussion of leadership. Join us as we share relevant, simple, and lasting methods for improvement that can be used to lead from any level in any organization. All right, let's get into it. Uh, we're going to talk about how to establish evenness in stable times. So following our standard what, why, how format, uh, Dave, let's talk about what is evenness. Sure. All right. So evenness is a constancy of flow or condition that results in a beneficial outcome. So when we're talking about evenness, we want to think about it in terms of it being a good thing, right? Okay. Um in business, evenness is a state in which those involved in a process or they're invested in the outcome can count on inputs, processing, and outputs, you know, the gazintas and the gazautas, so yeah. to speak, yep. that are regular, consistent, and predictable. Okay. But evenness is also a matter of perspective. Hmm. So what some perceive as an even output at one point in the process can be preceded or followed by frenzied or erratic flow. So often evenness is a local point of view. You can see this in your mind's eye when you think about a duck gliding across a lake on that, that still water and you see the duck kind of gliding magically across the lake. From your point of view, it's a very even picture. Calm, cool, collected. Yeah. From the point of view of the duck, whose feet underneath the water are going like going crazy nuts. to make yep. that happen, yep. um, that's not necessarily the case. So so evenness also has this element of perspective, right? Um, and there's two types of evenness. There's enterprise evenness. That's the degree to which an organization's value streams are even, one of the best metrics of enterprise evenness is forecast accuracy. Hmm. And then there's local evenness, much like what we were just talking about. It's the degree to which key performance indicators or important conditions are even from the perspective of those who are working in a particular process, system, or department. So this is an important thing to keep in mind because your customer may experience a great deal of evenness from you. The product is arriving on time and to spec and in sufficient quantity quite consistently. But the madness that you're going through prior to that is very uneven to create this evenness from the perspective of 
your client, right? So um, that's why this idea of enterprise evenness overall and local evenness are important to bring out. So that's what evenness is, this constant flow, if you could constantly produce 500 an hour, always 500 right. an hour, um, you know, that kind of thing. This is evenness. Okay, cool. Now that we know that what evenness is and how it's defined, let's talk about why. So previous episodes we, we've done, we talk about rational reasons, emotional reasons, tangible reasons. Right. So let's, I like that. Let's, let's keep yeah, up let's, with that. Let's follow that format for this as well. So uh, the rational reason of why evenness is important. So when you have a high degree of evenness in a process, mm-hmm. you can predict the outcome of yeah. that process. Yeah, for sure. And what you can predict, you can control. What you can control, you can improve. Yeah, that's the string that's of events simple, you right? want to bring about, right? It seems yeah. pretty simple. So evenness provides a platform for optimization mm-hmm. in that regard. So that's a kind of a, a rational reason. That's pretty. Yeah, you're, if you're in chaos, you're not improving anything. Right. The emotional reason behind evenness. So evenness reduces surprises and the need to react to them. Mm-hmm. Evenness reduces stress, anxiety, and fatigue. So in other words, it reduces overburden. Oh, there we go. Talking which, about lean. There you go, which is called Muri yeah. Lean Manufacturing. Yeah, good old Muri. Yeah. Uh, it enables the customer of the process, internal and, and external, to benefit from the certainty of on-time delivery that meets quality specs. Yeah, yeah sure. So it, it reduces drama yeah. in the workplace, as they say today. They have this beautiful one word for it, right? It reduces workplace drama. Yeah. And then the tangible reason, a high degree of evenness allows those working in the process to fine tune it because they seldom fight fires. Mm -hmm. So this transition from firefighting to a fine tuning process drives variation waste out of the process, but it increases velocity and quality at the same time. Yeah. So it drives waste and variation, which are two words for the same thing, right? Yeah. Out of the process. And it increases yeah. your speed, your throughput, your quality. And I think this is important because that gives you a key competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's it's essentially free. Yeah. Right? Just because you're yeah, focusing free. on evenness rather it's, than something else. It's free. You're just realizing the capability of your current process yeah. by exerting your will. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It only costs that will to keep working on. Uh-huh. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's good. But, uh, okay, so most importantly, when the people see that their leaders are relentlessly striving for evenness, they feel inspired Yeah, to follow that action. So it sounds kind of like an emotional reason. Yeah. But it's a real big tangi- tangible reason, really, right? Yeah, it's, they're, and they're connected for sure. Absolutely. And I've, I've seen this, you've seen this. If people feel that you're trying to make the system better, you're trying to reduce unevenness, even if you don't succeed. Yeah. Just the effort, the honest effort, because it improves their makes working lives difference. as well as the yeah. lives of the customer and so forth. Makes a huge difference. Oh, boy. They, they'll they get right behind you. They'll get right behind you and support you every inch yeah. of the way. A lot of the times they don't, when they don't see that uh, effort being made, 
they just feel like they're spinning their wheels and nothing's mm-hmm. ever going to change. And then it's like, oh, what are we here for? What am I doing this for? And then they start to question why they're working there. <laughs> and then, and then you know, sooner or later you start losing people. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this commitment, that's really what it is. It's a commitment to carve out evenness, even if it's just a little more, just yeah. a little bit more. But you're always doing it. You're, ne- yeah. you're never saying words as a leader like this. Oh, it just can't be done. There's nothing we can do about it. This is just our business. It's just crazy out of control. Yeah. There's no way to fix that. So th- those are, are li- words that just kill engagement yeah. and kill energy. Nope, we're going to do something. We're going to find one thing we can do, one small thing that's yeah. going to Im- increase the evenness in this operation. And people will, will go to the mat for right. you. Yeah. yeah, they're willing to stand up and fight for that for sure. Okay, cool. So we've talked about uh, what it is, why it's important, uh, the three uh, reasons behind that. So let's talk about how how can an organization foster evenness? Let's get into the how-to and let's jump back and forth on this and not get lost in the numbers of it. You know? Yeah, sure. Um, because this is really um, as technical a thing as it is to reduce evenness. It's also um, quite an inspirational thing and, and a matter of, of real connection, interaction yeah. with people and leadership. So um, so here we go. We'll go, go through the numbers. So the first one is teach your leaders the concept of evenness hmm. and establish the relentless pursuit of evenness as an essential leadership duty. So let's unpack that a little bit, right? Yeah. So a little bit of training. Yeah, so there's some training here. Um, you want to teach the idea of evenness, and a great way to do it is take people through a classic lean presentation. Okay. So we have that. We can help you with that if you need it. Uh, it's available elsewhere. But what is lean, really? It's this pursuit of uh, a, re- a reduction in variation, right? So uh, you know, all, all for the benefit of the customer. All, all reacting to the voice of the customer. So inside of that, there are three main types of waste. There's muri, overburden, mura, unevenness, and muda, the tangible waste, the, the physical waste you can see in the stream. Yep. So what happens so often is people focus on this muda, the tangible waste, because you can see it, you can see the numbers. Yeah. I'm at 6% scrap, I'm now at 5% scrap, I'm now at 4% scrap. Then you go into something like overburden or unevenness. Well, how do you measure it? How do you know if you're improving it? You know, uh, And so forth. So it becomes uh, elusive in right. terms of your ability to focus on it. However, where all of the benefit is, the lion's share of the benefit is in reducing unevenness and overburden. We're going to talk about unevenness today. And that's something that management has to do. So teaching your leaders that concept, teaching leaders the idea that when the customer is experiencing unevenness or people in the process that are working for you are experiencing unevenness, um, how do you work on reducing it? What is it? What does it look like? Uh, Where do you go to reduce it? And so forth. Just those basic concepts are important to teach to leaders, coupled with this idea. You will always be working on unevenness. You will always be working to reduce the unevenness for the customer and for our people. Right. 
And you'll never give up on that. You'll never have negative words to say about that. You'll never say it can't be done. And you'll always be scratching, clawing, working on that for the customer and for our people. If you don't accept that proposition, can't be a leader here. This is a big, hairy, important thing. We're going to talk about it all the time and we're going to work on it all the time. So that's the first step, right? I got a question. Yeah. So when you talk about uh, kind of the internal versus external evenness, right? Let's say uh, organizational evenness internal, right? Sure. Customer evenness external. Sure. Which one should you focus on first? That's an that's a really interesting question, right? So, um, and the answer isn't in a textbook. The answer lies in your heart, and it's linked to your noble purpose. Okay. So you look at your noble purpose. Why do you exist? That generic noble purpose being you're adding some type of service or product or value to improve the lives of your customers. So then you go into the specifics there for your organization. And you have to think about it. You think about it with your leaders, maybe with uh, with people in the organization uh, at the front line too, and people that are talking to customers, yep. sales professionals, and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's there's no textbook answer to this, okay. right? Um, the the two big um, the two big questions are. Is it more important to be even for your customer or is it more important to be even for your employees? Right. And maybe there's a third. Is it more important to be even for your investors? Mm. So when you look at those those kind of three chief sets of stakeholders, okay. what's more important? And so you can seek out examples and you can start to draw your own conclusions. So for instance, you can look at um, an, an organization that seeks to create evenness first for its employees. Yeah. So what's an example that comes to mind for that? Chick-fil-A. Sure. Absolutely. Chick-fil-A. Yeah, they're right? closed on closed on Sundays. Yeah. So um they're closed on Sundays, right? So they do lots of wonderful things for employees and for customers. Yeah. Um they believe in evenness. No matter what store you go to, it feels like the same store. The product right. is the same. Um the way that they serve you is the same, the the way they train their people, and so forth. That seems to be their focus all the time. Sure. Like sure. It doesn't the, change. This 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 idea of, of evenness is very important to them, right? And by the same token, their people have evenness in their lives in that they know they can count on every Sunday they can spend with their family yeah, or rest stuck. or pursue something personal. Yep. Uh, and this brings about great evenness. Hmm. In their lives. So, but you can't get a sandwich from Chick fil A on a Sunday if you're a customer. (laughs) So they love you as a customer. Sure. But they love their employees more and they give up one seventh of their income earning potential in order to provide evenness for their employees. That's true. Right. So that's their answer. That's their value. Yeah. Right. Um, And it works well for them and they make money. Uh, We see examples where they don't. Like uh, the old example with the uh, polar fleece guys where the factory burned down in the oh, 90s, yeah. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And and that guy loved his people and he gathered them together and said, um, we're in trouble. Yeah. The, you know, the factory's gone. We're going to have to rebuild it. But we're going to rebuild it together. I'm going to protect your wage and benefits while we do it. I'm going to provide you that evenness. Yeah, so, so he 
really cared about evenness for his people. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, in the end, after much struggle, and he stayed true to the end trying to protect his people, they went bankrupt. Mm. They dissolved as an organization. They had to sell off their product lines. Their pensions were compromised. But he was placing this idea of evenness through income protection and benefit protection uh, for his people uh, first. Yeah, right? he thought he was doing the best thing possible. So yeah. you can see in real world examples, sometimes that results yeah. in a tremendous success, sometimes not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the same is true on the other side of the coin, right? Yeah. So we look at the Fortune 500, you could safely say oh, that man, the yeah. majority of them place the idea of evenness for their com- customers. customers above evenness for their employees. And when you um, look at that in a serious way, how many Fortune 500 companies that were around 50 years ago still exist today? I mean, the number is low. Yeah, very low. So choosing one over the other isn't a guarantee of success. So you struggle through that, remain true to your purpose, reflect upon it in your heart, and you decide as an organization. Got it. Yeah. Um, So we've got this first how-to talked about, you know, teaching leaders the concepts of evenness and establishing evenness as an essential leadership duty. Um, So the next thing then is with input from leaders, establish the hierarchy of evenness is is just where you let us, right? So what's first? What's first? Is evenness for customer first? Is evenness for employee first? Um, What comes after that? Is it evenness of inventory, evenness of cost, evenness of safety, evenness of environmental contribution, whatever it might be. But you establish these hierarchies, um, and they link to your purpose, your vision, and your values, right? right? And then you stick by those, right? So, I mean, you're just driving everything towards those. Yeah. So, you let's say that you, as an organization, chose that your top hierarchy, your, your, your top item for evenness is evenness for the customer. Okay. So what that means is all other things subordinate to that, right? So, yep, we're going to work Sunday. We're going to work 12 hours today. Right. We're going to cancel vacations. Um, you know, whatever it is, we're going to close down the cafeteria temporarily and use it for a space to assem- do final assembly of the product, right. whatever it might be going to create chaos in your organization. But. Sure. sure. But but that's what we're going to focus on. We're yeah. going to put evenness to the customer as the top thing. Um, if you said evenness to employee was the top thing, you might come up with the Chick-fil-A-like answer, right? Sure. And make sure that people have time to rest and so forth. So understanding those and stating those clearly to everyone um, is an important part of establishing evenness. So people know what to be even about most of all. And you can say all these kind of glib things like, you know, employees are our most valuable asset and all this other stuff. But if you don't mean it, and if you don't react that way through your hierarchy of evenness, then people quickly get it. They'll know what the real priorities are. And um, it's very robbing of energy and Mm -hmm. creates a lot of drama and waste when you say differently than what you do. So what, what, are, what is your hierarchy of evenness? That's the second thing, right? Okay. So the third thing is then develop key metrics of evenness. Okay. So what are the metrics that tell you whether or not you're even in your organization? And they can be the same metrics as you use for other things, or they can be unique to the idea of evenness. 
but you want to have a scorecard, if you will, of evenness. Something to measure it. Yeah, it can be. It can fold into um, what you're doing. It, it can just be drawn on from what you're already measuring, or it can be unique. That depends upon you and your organization. But you want to be able to look and see how even are we. Then you, so you mentioned earlier something about forecast accuracy was a good mm-hmm. way to measure this. Yeah, so forecast accuracy is a is a pretty good measure for um, organizational evenness, right? So if you think that you're going to um, sell 10,000 units of your product in the next month, yeah. and then you break down your forecast and 5,000 are going to company A and 2,000 to company B and 1,500 to company C and so on. Sure. And then you come back at the end of that month and indeed you did sell 5,000 and you sold them to who you thought, then your um, forecast accuracy is 100%. Mm-hmm. If you sold 5,500, uh, 5, it's at 90%. Right. If you sold 4,500, it's at 90% accurate yeah. and so forth, right? So this gives you a pretty good high-level indicator of what happened versus what you thought would happen. Okay. And so the what you thought would happen becomes your marker for evenness, and then what actually happened becomes your performance yeah. for evenness. Yeah. So that's that's okay. quite a nice way. Yeah. And companies that are uh, establishing a forecast accuracy of, say, 85% or more, they're quite even. Hmm. And they can be gaining and leveraging the benefits of evenness uh, you know, up at that level. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of things to note about that. One thing is, um, right now, Lots of our listeners are going, oh, that's a bunch of hooey. My business is different. There's no way to forecast with any accuracy. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a crazy world out there, and and so on. So um, our response to that, we get that all the time with yeah, clients, right? And so our, our response to that is, okay, let's talk about the airline industry. How do they do that? How do they pack a plane to within a couple of seats or a few people over or under Every time. When's the last time you flew on a plane, other than the COVID experience, yeah. right? When's the last time that you flew on a plane that was uh, half full? You know, half full. It never happens. How do they do that? Yeah. Well, they they absolutely <laughs> refuse to give up on it, and they keep focusing and focusing and focusing, and they pry out a little more wisdom and a little more wisdom. They build that into an algorithm, and they come to understand what the flight demand is going to be from this city to this city at that time and so forth. And there you go. They've got forecast accuracy to a very high degree, right? Another thing um, we like to share is the story of Groundhog Day. (laughs) Can you tolerate it if I do that? Yeah. Yeah? I'll go for it. (laughs) I'll listen to it again. All right. So, you know, there's this movie with Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. Called Groundhog Day from the early 90s, right? So in it, Bill Murray plays a weather man and he's going to go to Poxitani, Pennsylvania to to interview Poxitani Phil, Phil kind of groundhog. kind of the ultimate groundhog, yeah. right? And you know, it's a it's a shtick for his show, right? And so uh he goes there to do that and he brings with him a producer and uh a camera person, mm-hmm. right? So the producer is um this lovely young mm-hmm. woman and he's smitten by her. He's yeah. taken by her. But he's a jerk. He's, you know, he's kind of a a, a wanderer, yeah. wandering jerk, and 
and all that kind of thing. And um, she's completely uninterested. She's just a uh, um, simple, straight-laced lady who um, doesn't want to be involved with someone that's a jerk. So his attempts to try to um, win her favor fall on deaf ears, right? So he gets uh, um, gets stuck there. They get stuck there because yeah. of the weather or something, right? And so they wake up the next morning, um, but it's the same morning. So he wakes up at 6 a.m., and it's the same morning, replayed all over again yeah. to him. Not to everyone else. No one else is unaware of this reset right. that's taking place, but right. he's aware. Right. So he wakes up at six in the morning. There's no hot water for a shower. He goes out into the hallway. He meets the chubby guy who says hello to him. He goes downstairs. He gets a cup of coffee. He proceeds over to do the filming. And, and this repeats. It takes so him a few days to figure that out. It takes him yeah. a few days. Yeah. So after a while, he fig- first he thinks, I'm crazy. Yeah, I'm just crazy, right? <laughs> And then after a while, he figures out I'm not crazy, right? And he starts playing with it. So he starts doing things like, uh, you know, playing games and eating all the food he wants and all that kind of thing. And he's enjoying himself. Um, And this maybe goes on for dozens or hundreds of days. We don't know, but for some time, right? After a while, he starts to figure out that this, this might be beneficial, this same day over and over again might be beneficial. So what he uh, wants to do, of course, since he's a jerk, is he wants to use this repetitive day to learn about the girl that he's smitten with, the yep. lady that he's smitten with, yep. and then try to win her heart by um, knowing the types of things that, that she, she likes, likes yep. right? So he would ask her things like, what do you like to read or what do you like to eat or whatever? And he would learn. And then in successive days, he would learn about those things. So he also learned about the town because every day the same things are happening. So he learns over time exactly when the armored car is delivering money to the bank and exactly when the guard turns away so he can steal a bag of money and then use it in the day. He uh, learns that uh, this lady likes music, so he starts to take piano lessons. So he just comes day after day after day taking piano lessons until he becomes uh, quite a good pianist. He learns CPR because there's a guy that's choking, and it would impress the young lady if he saved the guy who's choking. So he learns the Heimlich maneuver or becomes an EMT or something yeah. like that, right? He, um, he starts to become interested in the people around the town because he sees them over and over again. So there's a little kid that falls from a tree and breaks his leg, but he gets there and catches the kid in time. There's some ladies who are stuck in bad weather with a flat tire. He shows up and he starts rescuing her. So over and over again, he has the same day and over and over again, he reacts to that day and he becomes over time completely uh, without any any you know malice of forethought, yeah, so to speak. Sure. Instead of being a jerk, he actually becomes the best person he can be. Yeah. And so at the end of it all, he does win the heart of a lady because he be, he stops being a jerk He's a great and he, he becomes this great person who's outgoing and interesting and has many talents and skills, but is also interested in helping people. Right. So. Um, wonderful, right? Yeah, now let's sure. apply that to work. Imagine you're in a factory or an office 
where every day you know exactly how many orders you're going to have, what those orders would be, where the materials are stored to work on those orders, who's going to work on those orders, what time you need to get things done by in order to catch the little kid falling from the tree, um, or help the ladies with the stranded, you know, stranded in the weather and so forth. So this movie, this silly little movie, Groundhog Day, shows us the power of evenness and what it can do. So what Bill Murray's character did to become the best human being he could because of that evenness, if we build more and more evenness into our working lives, we can become the best organization that we could possibly be by leveraging the benefits of this evenness. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's um, this idea of metrics. Yeah. Right? The metrics help us to see where we are and and capitalize and so forth. So now we've educated leaders about this. We've established the concept that evenness is a key leadership duty. We've gotten input about a hierarchy of evenness, and that's clear to everybody. Um, Find a way to track it. Yeah, we found a way to track it and measure it. So now what we do is we go out to the people. Okay. So we have the leaders do that. We commission the leaders to teach the people that they're um, leading, the people in their charge, about the concept of evenness, the hierarchy of evenness here in our organization, and the organization's evenness metrics. So they're educating the people as well in the same concepts that they just learned. So now we're all on the same page there. And what we do is pick the most pressing point of evenness, this murrah, right, in your organization and try to reduce it, Okay. right? And when we do, we don't play whack-a-mole. We don't whack the mole at the entrance. That's the symptom. We follow the mole's hole back to the nest. We get to that root cause. Because remember, with this idea of unevenness, you can almost never solve it where it's occurring. Right. You have to solve it kind of upstream from yep. where it's occurring, right? So you can... You can do that best by mapping the process and then use your evenness metrics at each point in the process. And a value stream map works really great for this. Yeah. So create a VSM, a value stream map of your value stream or your the point of the process or the parts of the process you're worried about. Fantastic tool. And, and use those evenness yep. metrics, right? Then identify the focus for improvement and go after it. Just go after it, go after it, it, go after it. Don't stop. Don't worry if you're not making a lot of progress. You'll make progress over time. But what's more important is this knowledge of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And everyone's seeing leaders working for the customer and leaders working for them. That transforms everything. All kinds of waste and problems start to shake out because of this positive approach in the workplace. And then the sixth step is uh, to have the next point of unevenness already lined up. Have it lined up and everyone knows once we get done chewing on this one, we're chewing on that one, right? And uh, just keep that going. And all that together makes a tremendous positive impact on your on your organization. So that's the how-to. Okay, so that's part one. So in the next episode, we're going to talk about how to establish evenness in unstable times. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that, too. Thank you for listening today. 
If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. We would appreciate any feedback that you're willing to give. And if you have any questions or just like to share any experiences that you've had, please send us an email at info at tplshow.org. And we'll see you next time on the TPL Show. So long. Thank you for listening to the TPL Show. We hope you'll apply what you learned today and tell us how it went. If you want to share, want more information, or have questions, please contact us at info at tplshow.org. Have a great day. Thank you.